Well, our key verse for this year is uh, Isaiah 43, 19 and 20, but I'd like to uh, get the context of this. And so let's go in our Bibles to Isaiah 43 uh, together. Isaiah or Isaiah? I think Isaiah is actually correct. So we'll run with Isaiah. Isaiah 43, and uh, we'll pick this up from, uh, from verse 14. And this is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. For your sake I will send to Babylon and bring down as fugitives all the Babylonians in the ships in which they took pride. I am the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's Creator, your King. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Obviously, he's speaking there about Israel uh, coming out of Egypt, going through the Red Sea, and eventually into the Promised Land. And so there in verse 18, he says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the desert and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, whom I have formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise." From the NLT, it says, I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. Yes, I will make rivers in the dry wasteland so that my chosen people may be refreshed. I love that. The context of this passage is God bringing the uh, people of Israel out of captivity uh, in Babylon. Remember, he took them in there, said, you're going to be in captivity because of your disobedience to me. You'll be in captivity in Babylon for 70 years, but once again, I will bring you out. And so this whole prophetic word that Isaiah is giving them here is a promise. He said, just like I brought Israel out of slavery in Egypt and through the Red Sea and into the promised land, I'm about to bring you out of captivity in Babylon. I'm going to take you through the desert this time, and I'm going to take you back home to Israel. And so he says three things here that apply to us as well as to Israel 2,600 years ago. Let's touch on those three things quickly uh, in this message. Number one, he says, forget. That's an important thing to remember. Don't forget to remember to forget. I was reading about Chris Christopherson in the newspaper the other day. Some of you, my vintage or older, will remember Chris Christopherson. Um, I looked him up on the internet today and, they, and it said it, he was a country singer. And I thought that that was um, uh, horribly wrong because I actually like Christopherson's music um, and I don't like country music. So I reckon he's a folk singer because folk singers, okay, okay. Uh, but anyway, he's 77 now. He was very popular back in the 60s and 70s, starred in a number of movies. He starred in A Star Is Born with Barbara Streisand, that beautiful song, Evergreen, uh, came from. He's 77 and he's struggling with his memory 
But in the interview, he said, I don't mind losing my memory because I get to watch all the old movies that I used to watch and I get to watch them from the beginning and I don't remember anything that's going to happen. So I'm enjoying them all over again. <laughs> Obviously, that resonates with other people as well. It's about forgetting. It's like the old couple that went to the doctors because they, they were worried about their memory and they were sitting in the doctor's surgery and they said, Doctor, we, we keep forgetting things. And the doctor said, well, that's normal. That goes with age. So I suggest that you just simply write things down. And they said, oh, thank you, doctor. That's great advice. They left and went home and they walked into the house and the, the wife said to the husband, I'd like some ice cream. She said, write it down and go and get it. He said, I don't need to write down ice cream. I can remember ice cream. She said, I want strawberries with it. Write it down. Strawberries and ice cream, he says. I can remember that. I don't need to write that down. Yeah, but I want whipped cream as well. I write it down. He said, I don't need to write that down. I can remember ice cream with strawberries and cream. She said, okay, we'll go and get it. So he goes in the kitchen. For about 10 minutes, he's banging around pots and pans, finally comes back in and gives her bacon and eggs. And he give, she gives him this funny look. He said, what's wrong? She said, you forgot the toast. I'm just glad I remembered the punchline. <laughs> the older you get, the easier it is to forget. At least I think it is. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. That is, what God has planned for the future will be so much better than anything He's done in the past. So it's easy, you see, all the way through the Old Testament... Israel is looking back at the mighty deliverance that God gave them out of Egypt and into the promised land. And so that was, that was always, whenever they're talking about the power of God and the splendor of God and how amazing God was, always saying, remember the Red Sea. Remember how He got you out of Egypt. But now He's saying, I want you to forget that because what I did back then is nothing compared to what I'm about to do in releasing you from Babylon, taking you through the desert, giving you rivers in the desert, so much water that even the wild animals are going to be happy about it, and I'm going to take you back home. It's important for us as men and women of God to remember to forget. Anything that's happened in our past, as great as it was, shall be overshadowed by what God has planned for your future. In Philippians chapter 3, verses 13, 14, the Apostle Paul says that he did one thing. One thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul is here talking about forgetting and letting go of the things in the past that can hold us back from pressing on and embracing what he has for us in the present and in the future. That includes forgetting successes that will hold you back. In fact, turn to Philippians 3 for a moment and let's just read what Paul is saying here in context. Philippians 3, and we're going to pick it up from verse 3. And he says, therefore, it, for it is we who are the circumcision, we who worship by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. He says, if anyone thinks 
that he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, that is the, the natural things of this life or the successes of the past. He says, I have more. I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews. That meant he was part of the Jewish council or the Sanhedrin. Uh, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, he says, I was faultless. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish, which is a very nice translation. The Greek word actually means dung. He says, I consider all of my past successes just a pile of poo in comparison with what I have gained because of my faith in Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but the, that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. So he might have, he, he could have gloried in all of the things of the past, but he said, I'm going to, one thing I do, I'm going to forget about the things that are behind. I'm not, not going to live in the glory days. I'm not going to live in past successes. And you hear people that constantly harking back to the way things were. You know, they use the phrase, in my day. Have you ever noticed that? I never use those three words because I don't care particularly about the past because the past is past. Some of it was great. Some of it was awful. Some things I've done well. Some things were horrendous mistakes. But whatever happened in the past is past. I'm living in the present and I want to embrace the future. And so I don't have in my day. My day's today and tomorrow's going to be my day. And the day after that, what about you? So if you find yourself saying, in my day, stop it. Don't say that anymore. Forget successes because they'll hold you back. And forget mistakes that will hold you back as well. Some people are so bound up with guilt and regret over past mistakes that it immobilizes them in the present and hinders them in the future. Does that describe you? If it does, this year is all about you. This message is all about you because it's, it's time to draw a line in the sand. And if you're one of those, oh, I should have people or I should not have people, stop that as well. Draw a line in the sand. The past is the past. You can't change it and, and embrace the present. Put past mistakes behind you, past failures behind you. In that same chapter in Isaiah 43, there's a wonderful statement that God makes. Isaiah 43 and verse 25, he says, I, yes, I alone will blot out your sins for my own name's sake and will never think of them again. That's an amazing truth. And so why would I? Remember all of the mistakes and sins and failures of my past. Why would you do that? If God has decided to blot them out and He's decided not to remember them anymore, then what makes me think that I should be better than God and keep dredging up the past all the time? Let's just let it go. 
Our past needs to be like the parrot in Monty Python's Dead Parrot sketch. And if you've never seen it, go on YouTube and check out Mark Gungor and Monty Python's Dead Parrot sketch. John Cleese goes into a parrot shop, into a pet shop rather, and he buys a parrot. And he gets home and realizes the parrot is dead and comes back in to complain. The pet shop owner tries to convince him that the parrot is not dead, he's just pining for the fjords. At which point, John Cleese said, He's not pining, he's passed on. This parrot is no more, he has ceased to be. He's expired and gone to meet his maker. He's a stiff, bereft of life. He rests in peace. If you hadn't nailed him to the perch, he'd be pushing up the daisies. His metabolic processes are now history. He's off the twig. He's kicked the bucket. He's shuffled off his mortal coil, run down the curtain and joined the choir invisible. This is an ex-parrot. Thank you. And we need to be like that with our past. Every time your mind reminds you of the past, read something like this. Your past is over and done with. It's finished. It is no more. It's history. It's a bygone time. It has elapsed, disappeared, moved out, departed, vanished, expended. It's not here. It's spent, used up, finished, passed away, deceased, long gone, nowhere to be found. It's ended, all washed up, and no longer with us. That's the past. It's over. Forget it. That's number one. Number two is behold, verse 19 of Isaiah 43. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? Behold is a powerful word to behold. It's used in the Bible when God wants, to, wants us to take notice of something that has major significance. Behold, the promise of a Savior. Behold, the pregnancy of the Virgin Mary. Behold, the resurrection and ascension of Jesus. Behold, the resurrection of believers to eternal life. Behold, the revelation of God's love for all people. Behold, the creation of the new heavens and the new earth. Behold, the second coming of Jesus. He says here, behold, I'm doing a new thing. As I said before, for the Israelites, it was a new exodus, not from captivity in Egypt, but this time from captivity in Babylon and repatriation to their home. What new things does God want you to behold in this new year in your life? What new things does God want us to behold as a church community here at Bayside in 2014? He says, now it springs forth. This is a, a wonderful picture of a germinating plant, a beautiful image of the silent but certain gradual growth of events in God's providence. I want you to have a look at the screens right now. We're going to uh, play a very brief time-lapsed DVD of, uh, of some seeds growing, uh, accompanied by some very appropriate seed-growing music. Thank you, media team.
There you go. They obviously like country music because they're radishes. No, it wasn't a joke. They, there's just, no, that's it. But isn't that amazing? <laughs> it's just a random statement. <laughs> New doctor in the Bayside Church, radishes like country music. There you go. That's why they're in a vegetative state. But now it springs forth. And, and the thing is that if you plant a seed, you don't actually see anything happening. And you certainly don't hear music playing like that. But as soon as you put that seed into soil and you take care of it, something takes place. That's sped up, you know, and that shows days or weeks of growth and watching the roots go down and the plants springing up. And it's absolutely amazing. And sometimes God's work is like that in our lives. And it's very easy for us to say, I've done this, but nothing's happening yet. And we can short circuit things. We can go and dig it up. But you've got to be patient and give it the right conditions. And over the right time, growth is, is the desired outcome and the obvious outcome of any seed that has been planted in your life at any time. And that's why his next statement is, do you not perceive it? You have to look closely and frequently. Otherwise, it looks like nothing's happening. That's like our children. You know, we measure our kids at home against the pantry wall. It's something that my parents did for myself and my sister and brother as we were growing up, and it's something that I look back at fondly. And so uh, in our pantry wall, um, every now and again, I'll take the kids in there with, uh, with a ruler and a pencil and just put a little line uh, on there. And uh, a couple of years ago, Gigi had grown like about that much uh, in a year, and so she was really, really happy. Paris hadn't grown at all in a year, so she wasn't very happy. Uh, but the whole thing was reversed this year where Gigi hadn't grown much, but Paris has kind of suddenly shot up. But we see them all the time. And so for us, it's very difficult for us to perceive the growth. But if someone hasn't seen them for a while, like Christy's mum and dad who only come out once a year, when they see them and they haven't seen them for 10 or 11 months, they see the children and they say what older people used to say about me when I was younger that I absolutely used to hate haven't you grown? We'd go and see our aunties once a year. One of the aunties had a beard. She was my hairy auntie. And my parents made me give her a kiss. It always freaked me out as a child. I was like, I was like you discovered razors? She'd have to go there and kiss the hairy auntie and she'd go, oh, haven't you grown? Look at you. And I swore that I would never, ever say that. But now I find myself saying it. It's awful. It's like I'm channeling my hairy auntie. <laughs> I shave every day. But it's something that's easy not to perceive. And sometimes that's like the work of God. And so that's why he says, look closely. Don't you perceive it? It's the same in our spiritual life. Sometimes it looks like nothing's happening, but something's always happening. And so behold it, perceive it. Then finally, we looked at forget, behold, and then thirdly and finally is refresh. In verses 19 and 20, I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. Yes, I will make rivers in the dry wasteland 
so my chosen people can be refreshed. On this new exodus, the return from the exile, the Jews would be going through desolate desert land where God would provide water and streams in abundance. This is a popular theme in Isaiah's prophecy. I put three verses or passages in your notes for you. In Isaiah 35, verses 6 and 7, Then the lame uh, leap like a deer, and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool, the thirsty ground bubbling springs. In the haunts where jackals once lay, grass and reeds and papyrus will grow. Beautiful, descriptive, poetic language. Isaiah 41 verse 18, I will make rivers flow on barren heights and springs within the valleys. I will turn the desert into pools of water and the parched ground into springs. Isaiah 44, 3 and 4, For I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. They will spring up like grass in a meadow, like poplar trees by flowing streams. And so you can see there that it's quite a poplar theme in the book of Isaiah. I believe that this year of refresh is about the supernatural work of God in creating pathways in wildernesses and rivers in deserts so that you, His chosen people, will be refreshed. Amen. Why don't we put our hands together and give the Lord a big cheer. Hallelujah. I'd like our worship team to come right now. And just as they're getting ready, I want you just to think about this and apply this to your life. This is a theme that God has given us as a church community. And, and I, we wait on the Lord for these. These are not just trendy little words that we pick out, you know, ooh, let's be unashamed this year. Ooh, this year, let's go above and beyond. Oh, this year, let's be steadfast and so on. These are, these are things that we sense the Spirit of God prophetically saying to his church and to his people. And I'm glad for Steadfast because we needed that theme last year. But this year, we need to be refreshed. Amen. And I want you to take this word into every aspect of your life. Apply it in your relationships, your friendships. Apply it personally. Apply this in your workplace, in your business. You know, apply it in your spiritual life, in your church ministry. Bring refresh into every part of it. Something else you can do online um, at some point in time is go and have a look at some of the photos, the before and after photos of the nation of Israel. Israel is a modern wonder in what they've done. In fact, we've got a couple of photos. If we can just put up the first photo, have, have a look at this. That's desert, okay? And that, that's planting that... Um, the Jewish people have done in, in whole areas of desert, and then they take it from that into this. Isn't that amazing? And there's a whole stack of photos online where you can see the before and after. The, uh, the nation of Israel are the ones that invented the, um, the drip irrigation system, where a minimal amount of water can turn a very dry, arid place in, into, into a beautiful, lush place. And with that growth comes a whole new environment, a whole new ecosystem, a whole new climate. It is absolutely amazing. And so I want, you to, 
I want you to take that truth into your lives. What can you do creatively in your life to turn the desert wilderness areas that each and every one of us have? How can we bring refreshment into every area? Ponder those things. Pray those things through. And let's live that out in 2014.